Good morning. Thank you for joining us today for our virtual worship service. We're looking forward to be back in, uh, in our building soon, hopefully. Um, but for this week, at least, we're, we're back into our virtual format. Today, we'll be studying from 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll be talking about some things that we can learn and that will be helpful for us from the prophet Elijah. Uh, so this morning, as we worship, let's make sure our minds are in the correct places. Let's get ready to sing the songs and to partake of the Lord's Supper and to listen as God's Word is shared with us this morning. Thanks for joining us. As I mentioned in the opening, today we'll be studying from the prophet Elijah. He's found in the, in the first book of Kings. We'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning. Uh, he has an incredible life of service. And at this point in his life, he thinks he's the only one who is still faithful to God. He's wrong, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But you can begin to see why Elijah might think that that's the case. He's just faced down 850 priests of a false god on top of Mount Carmel. 
and, and he's obviously won the day. You can go back and read that story in 1 Kings 18. It is worth your time. It is one of the most dramatic scenes in all of the Old Testament, which is saying something. After this is over, though, after uh, God shows up in this very powerful way on top of Mount Carmel, um, Ahab is falling in line. Ahab is Israel's king at this point. He is not a good king. He's not a righteous king. And in fact, he has led Israel as far away from God as they've been up until this point. And so he is worshiping false gods and, and leading Israel to worship false gods all the way up until this point in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah throws down the gauntlet, so to speak, and challenges these 850 priests of Baal and Azra to a showdown, for lack of a better term. God shows up in this powerful way uh, and revolution sweeps through Israel, including its king, but not including its queen. Ahab is married to a lady named Jezebel. When she finds out that Elijah has killed the 850 priests of Baal and Azra, she is furious and she sends him a message that she's going to kill him uh, within just a very, very short period of time. Uh, he's going to, to be killed by her hand. And so Elijah goes to this mountain. He eventually makes his way uh, to this mountain. Read through this story in 1 Kings 19. We don't have time to go through it all this morning. But take your time this week and read through 1 Kings 19. You'll see uh, the journey that Elijah got, had to take to get to this mountain. He finally gets there. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 10. Elijah gets to this mountain and God says, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So God, uh, God tells him, you know, go stand in the doorway to the cave, and he's going to put his hand there, and there's a, a fire and an earthquake and a great wind. God's not in any of those things. He's in the still, small whisper. And Elijah gets to experience God's presence. And what an incredible blessing that was, uh, to be sure. But one of the things I want you to notice, as we are in this uh, tough time uh, of COVID, of pandemic, and of being restricted uh, with our worship services, not able to meet in our building and see each other and things like that. That, that kind of gets under your skin after a little while, doesn't it? And, and I know some of you are, are beginning to feel that and have probably felt that for quite some time. And, um, so maybe some of the things we think about today will be helpful for you um, if you're struggling in that regard. One of the things I want you to notice here is what Elijah said. What did Elijah say? Well, he has been very jealous for the Lord. Um, God's pictured as a jealous God in the Old Testament. You should only worship Him. And Elijah has looked at his society and noticed that people are not doing that. In fact, they are spitting in God's face. They're being very offensive to God by their actions, by their lives, and who they choose to worship, who they choose to trust. And Elijah says, I've not stood for it. I've been very jealous for you. I've called that out. Every time I've seen it, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. That, that is 100% true, isn't it? Uh, God had made a covenant with Israel. 
back in Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments and this this visible sign that he was going to protect them, that he was going to be their God. And they had a side of that agreement to hold up as well. They were going to be his people, right? Um, they they had to obey. They had to trust him. And, and so they have forsaken their end of the covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with a sword. Those things are true. Uh, if you go back through and you read this story, you'll find... Uh, the chief of staff, for lack of a better term, uh, of Ahab has had to hide a uh, hundred priests in a cave. And he's been feeding them with bread and water for the last, the last several, um, a little less little bit. Um, because everyone else has been killed. All the other faithful prop, prophets and priests that have died, uh, have been murdered um, because of this administration of Ahab. Um, and... Indeed, at the last thing Elijah says here is they seek my life to take it away. They're looking to kill him as well. So Elijah has a pretty good handle on things, but not everything he says is 100% accurate, is it? Go back and look at, at the little part that I skipped there. And I, even I only, am left. That's not true. In just a little bit, God's going to say, listen, I've got 750 uh, uh, priests and prophets, uh, people that have not bowed the knee to Baal or Azra, people that are faithful to me. You're not alone, Elijah. You've got the hundred priests and prophets that that um, that Omri have uh, that uh, Ahab's uh, chief of staff has hidden in these caves. You're not alone, Elijah. We need to take inventory of our situation. Elijah didn't have an exact understanding of what was really going on around him, did he? Literally everything he complained about was true, except he wasn't alone. And today, uh, it's really easy for us to feel like we're alone, isn't it? But that's not the case. There are people that are faithful, that are loving God more right now than they ever have before uh, in their lives, that are trusting Him more and more now than they ever have before. You're not alone. That's the glory of being in the church. And, and we don't get to see it uh, as visibly because we don't get to be around each other so much um, over the last couple of weeks. But that's the glory of being in the church is we know we're not alone. We lean on each other and we push each other to greater heights and greater depths uh, of righteousness. Had Elijah stopped and taken account of what was really going on of reality. He would have seen the exact same thing that God tells him here. You're not alone. One of the things that was really messing up Elijah was that he felt like he was alone. He was the only one that was jealous. He was the only one that was fighting. He was the only righteous one. And everyone else was was just against God. Uh, they weren't doing things that were righteous. They weren't affected by God. And that's just not the case. It wasn't, in, it wasn't the case in Elijah's day, and it's not the case in our day either. We need to stop and take account of our situation. Sometimes when you're in the midst of something like this, it can kind of be really overwhelming. And it, and it changes your mindset uh, when you're in the midst of something like what, what we've been going through. And you kinda, it's kind of hard to see your way out of it, isn't it? 
Um, but if we stop and take account of our, of our situation, we'll see we're, we're still a part of the church. God is still sitting on his throne. Jesus is, uh, is still uh, substituting himself for us. He still has forgiven our sins. The Holy Spirit is still working in and through us to be who we need to be. And the word is still true. The church is still strong. We have a bright future, right? So my encouragement today is just stop and take an account of your situation. You may not be looking at it correctly, just like Elijah was here. Uh, he is so lonely and so afraid and so tired in this text in First, First Kings chapter 19 that he's, he's ready to die. He actually pleads with God to take his life away. Um, it's easy when you're in the middle of a tough season to feel like that. But if I think if we stop and we take account uh, of our actual situation, we'll see some of the blessings um, that, that uh, God surrounded us with. And one of those big ones for us is we're not alone. That was Elijah's big problem, but we're not alone, are we? We have the church. There's always been a holy remnant throughout all of God's uh, time with His people. There's always been maybe sometimes a small set of people here you have 750, but sometimes a small group of people that are that are still faithful. Um, but he always reserves a remnant. Today the remnant is the church, and the church is doing just fine. Remember what Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against her. The church will stand. She will stand until Jesus comes back to get us, and we will be here. We will be faithful, and as long as you're part of the congregation, part of the church, you're part of the saved, right? Getting, getting inside of Jesus, having your sins washed away through the power of baptism, added, you're, you're added to that family. You're not alone. The second thing I want you to notice here is found in the very next verse, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the winds. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And that was, that was the Lord. And Elijah goes over to the, the head of the cave, and he meets with God there. One of the things we need to remember is not just that we're not alone, but also that it's important to meet with the Lord. Turn over to Psalm chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73, you talk about things that kind of change your mind uh, on your situation. Worship is one of those things that absolutely changes our minds uh, on our situation. Listen to what the psalmist here says in Psalm chapter 73. If you look at verse 1, he is upset that good things are happening to bad people. You ever been in that boat? I think most of us have. You look at, at this, this person and they just don't seem to care anything about what God says. They don't live by His standards. But yet good things are happening to them. They're successful. Everything's going well, seemingly. Um, and, and so the psalmist puts into words what many of us feel when we see that situation happening. He's, he's envious. He's made sacrifices so that he can be righteous 
well, why has he made those sacrifices if this person is, is just getting to do whatever they want to do and they're, they're flourishing? And so he, he's envious. But listen to what he says in verse 16. Psalm chapter 73, verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, he's kind of saying, I kind of, I put my thinking cap on. I said, well, what am I going to do about this? When I thought about how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. I, I, got, I got tired. Um... Didn't know what to do, right? Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. And so he's going to talk about, you know, uh, people that um, don't live their lives by God's standards. Um, they're, they're going to be condemned. And he's set their, their feet in verse 18 on, in slippery places. They're going to, to ruin. Uh, and so he, he figures that out. But it takes worship to do that for him. Uh, he, he can't get his head on straight until he comes to worship. We're in the same boat, right? Um, worship is the perfect way to get our minds on straight. Sometimes it's hard to figure out your priorities until you come to worship. Uh, and then everything kind of starts falling into place. That's my, my motivation for you today. Worship. Maybe rewind the songs. Maybe rewind the Lord's Supper after a little while and just worship. There's something about worship that reorients our minds onto what's really important and kind of gets some of this other stuff that, that we've been dealing with and it kind of puts it on the back burner. Is it still important? Yeah, sure, it's still important. But it's not what we should focus on. It's not something that should consume us. The one thing that ought to consume us is worship. It's the time when we get to meet with God, when we get to come into His throne, into His presence, and just be humbled by Him, to adore Him, to tell Him how worthy He is of our worship. That resets our brains. Uh, sometimes computers and iPhones and things like that need to be reset, right? Worship resets our minds, and it puts us where we need to be. So you need to take inventory of your situation, right? You're not alone. Not alone. You also need to meet with the Lord. I think those two things are important. The final thing is found back in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. 1 Kings 19, verse 15. God has some words uh, for Elijah, something to do. He tells him to get to work. Listen to what he says uh, specifically. First Kings 19, verses 15 and 16. He says, And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazazel to be king over Syria. Syria, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mahal, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. So, what did uh, God tell Elijah? Well, Elijah came to the mountain saying, I'm the only one who's left that's righteous and they want to kill me. I just wish I could die. Take my life. It's not worth being here anymore. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. And what's God saying? He doesn't deal with any of that, does he? He says, get to work. Sometimes when we're feeling like that, two things have happened, right? Right? We haven't taken a good account of our situation. 
We're not viewing it correctly. The second thing is we haven't worshipped. Once we do those two things, the pins start falling back into place, don't they? And we start looking at things correctly. Once we do those things, the next step is to get to work. One of the things that's bugged me through this whole thing is I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what the next right step is. Um, do you go to Thanksgiving? You know, do you have do you have family over? Do you do you travel? Uh, do you know what what's the next right thing? Uh, and fill in the blank for scenarios for that. Um, do you take your kid to the doctor? You know, do, do you go on play dates? Uh, do you come to worship services? Do you watch online? What's the next right thing? Well, I think the next right thing is get to work. That's the one thing that we can do. It's the one thing that will always be right. After you take account of your situation, after you worship, your mind gets right. Then what do you do? Well, you get to work. There are some things that will always be appropriate. That will always be good. That will always be beneficial for you. Worship is one of those things. It will never be wrong to worship. Uh, Prayer. It will always be right to come before Him in prayer and to make your wants and your wishes known. That those things are always going to be right. Uh, it's always right to study. You know, it's always right to, to, to take some time out of your day and read Scripture and to study through and to gain uh, the, the benefits from the words of life. Those things are always going to be correct. They're always going to be the right thing to do in a situation where it's tough to know the right thing to do, right? I think we've all thought that at some point during this thing. Well, what's the right thing to do here? I've got several options, but what's the best thing? What's the right thing? Well, worship is always the right thing. Study is always the right thing. Prayer is always the right thing. Compassion, evangelism, righteousness, all these things are always going to be important. And we need to get to work in doing them, in being them. Don't allow this time when we're separated to make you weaker. This can be a time when we grow stronger, uh, individually as well as a group. This can be a time of revitalization for us, just like it is for Elijah here. Elijah is going to have a a little bit more uh, time of usefulness for God after this scene is over. And eventually, Elijah is going to be honored. He's he's one of the two men who never die. Um, And so... We have an opportunity in the midst of this to grow just like Elijah did, to see some benefit, to, to, to have some work done for the Lord just like, just like he did. We have to remember a couple of things. We have to take inventory of our situation. We need to see what's going on correctly. One of the ways we can do that is worship. It sets our minds right. But after we do those things, we need to get to work. There's some things that are always going to be right. If you don't know what's the right thing, whether I should do this or whether you should do that, maybe put those decisions off for a second and just take take an hour to read Scripture. Take an hour to pray. Make sure that you uh, are keeping your eyes open for evangelistic opportunities with folks. Um, make sure that you're showing compassion. Make sure that you're righteous, right? And all the rest of these decisions, I think, will fall into place pretty well. So maybe Elijah's story has been helpful for you this morning. Uh, I hope it has been. Take inventory of your situation. Meet with the Lord in worship. uh, And then get to work. 
I think those are three things that are really helpful for us. Uh, let's pray as we close out our, our message section this morning. Father, we love you. You've been good to us. We're grateful for this time we've gotten to be together. Father, we, we're separated, um, but we know that you have brought us into one unit, Father. We, we are encouraged that you are in our midst, even when we worship uh, separately, Father, that you have brought us into unity, not just with each other, Father, but with you. Uh, having forgiven our sins, we're thankful for Christ and for the power that that our obedience to him has in baptism of washing away our sins, Father. We pray that you will be with us, keep us safe, um, keep the virus far away from us, Father. Help us to do the things that you would have us to do, the things that are always important, the things that are always right, uh, with getting to know you better in your word and, and praying to you, Father, and having compassion and, and being righteous, Father. We pray that you will aid our efforts in all of these endeavors, Father, and that you will be in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our lives, Father, working in us and through us to make us, to mold us into who you would have us to be. Thank you for your Son and for the hope and the redemption that we find inside of him. We ask all these things in his name. Amen.
morning. Many of us shared a meal of Thanksgiving with our families this past week, and as a nation, we have entered into this season of Thanksgiving. So I thought it would be appropriate as we prepare our minds for the taking of the Lord's Supper to read from Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not, a, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. You know, a common theme throughout the Bible is this linking of remembering and thanksgiving. Remembering God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his power in the past helps us to remember that he will do the same for us today and tomorrow. In our reading here from Psalm, the psalmist is reflecting upon the goodness of God and his love and faithfulness that endures forever. At this time, we do the same thing in taking the Lord's Supper as we give thanks and remember Christ. We remember Jesus, the sinless Son of God, who died on the cross as a substitute for us. We remember the immeasurable grace and love of God that sent his only Son to deliver us from our sins. When we remember the death of Christ, we give thanks for all the things that, that we now have in him. We give thanks remembering God's work in the past that uh, remains for us in the present and the future. To help prepare our minds for the taking of the bread, I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's pray for the bread. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Lord, just so thankful, Father, for all the many blessings that you have given to each of us. So thankful, Father, for your grace and your mercy and your love. And most of all, Father, we are thankful for your son, Jesus, who you sent to this earth to, to go to the cross, Father, to die on our behalf, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord. And we remember him at this time. We remember that sacrifice. And, and we're so thankful for the hope that we now have. I hope, Lord, that... Um, that we will one day be with you because of this selfless sacrifice by, by your son, Jesus. Father, we ask your blessings upon the bread at this time. And it's through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. We'll continue reading from Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, for, the, for many for forgiveness of sins. Let's pray for the fruit of the vine. Father in heaven, we come to you once again, Lord, just 
remembering that sacrifice by your son Jesus, remembering how much you love us, Father, that you would send your son to die upon that cross. So thankful, Father, for for that sacrifice, and this time we remember the blood that was shed by your son Jesus that covers over our sins, Father, and washes us. We thank you for that, for the hope that we now have through him. We ask your blessings upon this cup. Pray that each of us take it in a worthy manner. It's through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. It's good to have been here again this morning. We'd like to uh, 
Thank each and every one that's been able to watch our service this morning. We pray that uh, you've received spiritual uplift during the service. Uh, hopefully in the next week or so we can be back at the building, but we'll see how the coronavirus continues to unfold as it basically has dictated our lives since February, March of this year. have a few announcements to finish up the service with this morning. Jim Haney's sister-in-law had pancreatic cancer last year and has now returned. Her condition is very critical. Keep her in your prayers. John Klein is at home. Dr. Friday's eye surgery has been rescheduled for December the 2nd. Keep her in your prayers. Carol Galloway still remains at St. Mary's. Keep her in your prayers from the kidney stone. Frank Garlic, as of the recording of this, is still at St. Mary's. Mally Williams, uh, Kelly and Mike are taking her for a second opinion on her seizure. Gail Hewitt is still at home recovering. Wayne Soward, this is Wanda Lawson's uncle, was diagnosed a week or so ago with COVID. As far as this update, he's still at the care center. John Dolan, Alice Bozo's nephew, had thyroid surgery on November the 24th. Also keep Judy Gerald in your prayers as she had surgery last week. Also keep those that are traveling this weekend at the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, Keep them in your prayers that they uh, get to their homes and where they're going and back and be safe and be safe and not contact anything. This morning I'd like to read to leave this passage with you. First Peter 5 verses 6 through 12 before we end this morning. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we're thankful for this time that we've had to hear another lesson from your word, to surround thy table, to partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine. We're thankful for the land in which we live, for the community, for the many things it has taken to help bring us together this morning, for the technology to be able to, to have service even though we're not together, but we are, we're thankful. We're thankful for the many blessings of being in a land that, that, that where we can worship you. 
We ask, Father, that you bless us in the upcoming days and weeks and months ahead and that the people that are, are working on the virus, that they can come up with a vaccine that will work and that many lives can be saved. We ask your blessings on our country, on our leaders, and pray that they look to you for guidance and help in their decisions. Go with us now. Forgive us. We pray for our sick and our shut-ins and for each one that was mentioned earlier. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. You call me out upon